Morning team, nice to be company. It's Wednesday morning on LBC. Anthony's back with you uh, tomorrow morning. We'll keep you coming through the wee small hours. Actually, it's funny because he was talking about religion and I was going to do the uh, the story uh, in the paper the other day which was talking about religion and saying that apparently in prison they've, uh, they've got uh, people now who are Muslim, Druid and various other religions which I hadn't heard of and they apparently all get sort of rights... And they all get, you know, different... Hol- and I'm thinking, it'd be quite easy to just say that you were going to attach yourself to uh, to any sort of religion and then just sort of go along with it. And j- just, just because you were after all the, the free holidays and the benefits that came with it. And then I thought, why would... The- I thought all these people were prisoners. That's what I thought. I mean, I had a rough idea. If you go into prison, it's supposed to be some sort of deterrent, but it, it turns out not to be now. It seems like a blooming holiday camp for many. And having seen them on the television talking to Ken Clark, a lot of prisoners saying that they like it so much in here that what they do is, if as soon as they're actually released, they go and re-offend within 24 hours, so they're back in prison again, because they quite like it in there. So some people become institutionalised, and the more they're institutionalised, the more they don't want to leave it. So when they get kicked out, they try and do something, so they go out and smash windows, just to go back in again. Uh, Richard says, did you see Loose Women yesterday? I didn't actually, and I come from like, why didn't, why didn't I not see those women? Anyway, Brigitte Nielsen was sitting in for Colleen, and she actually came over very well. It was so obvious, though, that Denise Welsh was jealous of her, interrupting her or not letting her get a word in. When Brigitte did manage to get the upper hand, she walked all over Denise. For example, she was asking articulate questions to the guests, whereas Denise just wanted to use sexual innuendo. Why is she still on the programme? I don't know, actually. I think Carl likes her. Carl Newton, the programme uh, editor. I think he, qu- I mean, I, I, f- sort of went off her ages and ages ago because I realised that all she wanted to do was bang on about her own boring life. That was the only thing that sort of upset me. I was never a big fan of Brigitte Nielsen either. I saw her on the programme a few times and I wasn't, uh, I wasn't particularly a fan of her then. So I sort of, I sort of kind of sort of moved away from Loose Women. Because every time I turned on, it was always Denise and, um, and Colleen. And they seemed to sort of gang up on, on everybody else, I'm afraid. So I didn't go... Uh, I didn't go too much on it, but they're, ob- they're always looking for new people. I think they used Beverly Callard the other day. They used Bev Callard, and I, I like Beverly Callard a lot. And she's, she's learnt to fit in very, very well on the programme. Uh, Daily Express today, uh, as you know, we found loads of benefit fraudsters, loads of uh, convicted benefit fraudsters, and strangely enough, the same story that appears in three of the papers today is one where I'm thinking, how would you know that unless this particular family had gone to the newspapers or hired a, hired a PR. And it's a, it's a couple. He apparently is a multi-millionaire property developer. They, they don't look like property developers to me, but I'm sure that's, uh, that's just uh, in, in my mind. And what they've done is they, they've, they've had a child, but they've spent £30,000 on this child. £30,000 buying this, this baby, Ugg boots, uh, jewellery, a £4,500 crib. It's the biggest... Biggest piece of indulgence you've ever seen. And yet they're in about three papers. I'm not sure if they, they think that we're going to think it's good taste or if they've actually done it because they're so up their own rear ends that they think we're going to be interested. Because I've never seen such a revolting waste of clothes on a child. Because as any mum will tell you, kids grow out of their clothes really, really quickly. Shoes and everything else. But this particular family, 30,000 quid, and she said, if I can go out and spend £200 on a, on a pair of jeans, why shouldn't I spend a load of money on, on my baby? And to be honest with you, I don't have a problem with that. Here they are, the most spoilt baby in Britain. Nicole is four months old. Uh, she's bought, for Nicole, who's one of those strange children where they sort of put, I don't know, like a ribbon around their hair with sort of a rosebud on the front of it. I don't know how to signify it's a girl or what it is, but it looks very odd. 
that uh, four pairs of Ugg boots, um, eight tartan et chocolat grows, whatever they are, that costs 640 quid, 12 Mona Lisa dresses at nearly 2,000 quid, the crib with the carved cherubs, I mean, it's all in extremely poor taste, 2,226, a bespoke bedding from a luxury designer, £2,000, the stroller pram, 300 coffee and cream nursery, 6000 nursery at the holiday home was 5000 matching wardrobe, blah, 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 cake with Shirovsky crystal cross, and 12 Robert Cavalli dresses, 2,500 quid. I mean, it's just tacky. Unfortunately, it looks tacky as well. There's nothing about it that says class or anything else. In fact, I'm, she was christened at the, a hotel in Hampshire where the venue was decorated in silver and cream. Just, I don't know. I mean, I don't have any problem with people spending. If they want to spend 30 grand, fine, spend it. And she says here, spending a lot of money shows how much you care for your child. It doesn't. It just shows that, you know, it's an ignorant waste of money. And if you do it, do it privately. Why would you want to go in all the papers and talk about it? Four months old and she's Britain's most pampered baby. Ugh, ugh, ugh. It's so tacky and revolting. It really is. I mean, it doesn't bother me, you know, if they want to spend a million quid. But then do it privately, because there must be people who would spend that sort of money on their on their, their child. You know, we, we've seen them on the television before. There was, a, I think, a woman on the television ages ago, and she didn't earn very much money. So she would take her little girl out, who was terribly spoiled, at the age of about ten. And if she saw something she liked, she would put down a deposit of a fiver and then go back each week and put down a couple of quid out of her, her benefits so that eventually she got the coat for the daughter and the shop was happy to operate a system like that. And I kept thinking, what is it with these spoiled children? Small wonder we're, we're in a nation now. If the kids don't get it, they go out and thieve it. It's like listening to students, isn't it? Oh, you know, we're all suffering and all the rest of it. Well, if you didn't spend money on drink and drugs, it'd be fine. Because the actual cost of education here, as I've said a million times, is so inexpensive compared to the rest of the world. That's why I've said before, the Americans come here because it's a lot cheaper. And yet, you know, in America, they don't complain about things. They can't. They can't in America. They, don't. they bring out the National Guard for that one. Uh, thank you to Ken for, uh, for alerting me to that. I had heard it before, actually. I had heard it. This was uh, the rude word that slipped in on a radio programme. Uh, did you see Corrie last night? I didn't. I've, g- I've actually given up with, uh, with sort of Corrie at the moment, until they've actually got rid of all the people. Ashley, Molly and Peter are going to peg it. I'm absolutely Ashley. Uh, Molly's definitely not going to. Definitely not going to, as far as I know. It's definitely going to be Ashley, his wife. Uh, I think it's going to be Dev's wife as well. I think she's off. And Peter don't think so. I don't think so. They'd already listed the, the people who, who were actually going. And, uh, but what they're going to do is milk it for the rest of the week and the cast are sworn to secrecy. So they're not actually going to tell anybody who's, who's going. Although the, the actual people know themselves. But they have a, they've had live versions before. This, I mean, it seems to be doing really well in the ratings. They got 13 million the other day, whereas EastEnders only got 9 million. So it's, uh, that's quite some achievement, quite some achievement. I love the idea of this one. This is, it's always very strange when you read about vandalism in the papers and you often wonder, you know, whenever I go past on the train and go back home and there's always, there's a couple of houses where somebody has quite literally climbed onto the roof and they've graffitiized the side of the house. So the householder has to get somebody in who paints over it and then blow me down within a week. They've climbed back onto the roof again, presumably from the railway tracks, and they've graffitiised the, uh, the side of the house. And there's one particular house. It's, it's just on the way to, to Barnes. And they've literally covered the side of their house. They've obviously clambered all over their roof so they can write all over it. I mean, I'd have them shot. But uh, it's one of those things. It's, it's the bane of everybody's life, graffiti. However, in one particular town, 
they decided, this is in Hoddesdon, in Hertfordshire, uh, that they were so sick to death of the vandalism that they would pay money, £1,000, to have some cameras installed to try and catch the person who perpetrated it. It turns out that um, they were having their cars pelted with eggs and with flour. Rubbish was dumped in their driveways. Um, Twice pet food was thrown through the window. Uh, She was visited by the RSPCA after somebody phoned up and said, oh, she's been mistreating her her dog. Um, It's ridiculous. You know, I mean, they really had so much damage done. So they put up these cameras. And who was the culprit? None other than churchgoer Jennifer Bibby. Jennifer Bibby, strangely enough, was in fact the local um, neighbourhood watch coordinator, a police sergeant's widow. I mean, quite clearly, you know, just completely out to lunch. She's since sent a humiliating letter of apology to her victims, but remains persona non grata in Nursery Road, Hoddesdon. Um, the, when they actually put the cameras up to try and capture the person and try and capture the image... They couldn't believe their eyes when they saw it was Mrs Bibby pelting neighbours' cars. And um, she has posted a a letter of apology. She's quite clearly deranged. She's posted a letter of apology and says, I'm just writing to apologise about your car. I will come along with hot water and washing up liquid, pass on my apologies to uh, to Claire. Diana Reid, who's a full-time care of her disabled son, has also suffered vandalism. She said Mrs Bibby should be stopped stopping behaviour like this happening rather than committing antisocial crimes herself. Mrs Bibby uh, repeated her apology and said she'd be stepping down from her neighbourhood watch role. I mean, it's always the one, isn't it? Do you remember there was a, a case a while ago where there was um, all these people who'd received filthy letters? It was in this little village, and they'd got letters detailing, you know, what they'd been doing and who'd been doing this with that person and that with this person. And it, it was basically like a round-robin letter. But it was, it was quite vile, and it turned out to be one of the people who lived within the community, some old bloke who just wrote filth letters and posted them around to everybody, you know, like, I saw your son smoking the other day, it's disgusting, and did you know your daughter's having sex and all this kind of thing. And the people were horrified when they discovered who it was. Then he was outed by the uh, the newspapers and immediately he had to start sort of backtracking, go, well, oh, provoked and all they're, they're, they're generally people for whom life has bypassed them and they don't have any friends and they're a bit lonely. And in the case of Mrs Bibby, presumably after her husband died, who was a, who was a copper... And she went to church. It wasn't quite enough. She was determined to get some sort of attention. And the sort of attention that she got, unfortunately, was a bit unwarranted when they uh, opened their windows in the morning and discovered that their cars had been vandalised. It can't be much fun, can it, if if you sort of go out there, your car's been vandalised, there's stuff thrown about all over the place, and, uh, and you have to put up with it. And so they found her. But what amazes me is that, you know, she wasn't sent to prison. I suppose... So nowadays, it's not really in their best interest to send somebody to prison, is it? Because what are you going to do with them in there? So give them community service orders. However, there's going to be a case coming up very shortly, which you'll remember on LBC, because it was covered by just about every programme, of uh, Peter and Hazel Mary Bull, uh, who own a guest house. And they turned down Martin Hall and Stephen Preddy. That one of them had phoned up and booked the room. They didn't know it was two gay men. So when they turned up on the door and discovered that they were going to be sharing a room and a bed, they booked a double room for two nights, uh, they, they refused them entry and said, no, it's, it's against our Christian beliefs. Well, they're being taken to court, apparently, now. It's being brought under the 2007 Equality Act, which is very straight. This is not the first time. In March, another gay couple were turned away by uh, a Christian bed-and-breakfast owner in Cookham in Berkshire. 
And they then brought in Liberty to try and sort it out. It's ridiculous, it's like turning somebody away, because they're black. You get terrible. we don't want black people in here, or Asian people, or anything like that. It's the most ridiculous thing. So here they are in the paper today, and Michael and John, turned away by Suzanne and Francis Wilkinson. Not a happy couple, I'm afraid. These are the headlines. Police have arrested a man on suspicion of conspiracy to murder after his wife was killed on their honeymoon in South Africa. Sri Ediwani denies allegations he'd paid someone to kill Annie last month. It's the first of two further days of student protest. Tomorrow, MPs vote on raising university tuition fees. Students in most major cities are protesting in some form or another. Tomorrow, the focus is on Parliament. And a man's been arrested on suspicion of causing death by dangerous driving after a passenger in a black cab died in a crash in West London yesterday. man died on the A4 near Sutton Court Road following the collision at around 4pm. So we'll check on the roads for you this morning. Get you there nice and quick. It's Jay Le- Londoner's Diary. Available now at lbc.co.uk. number of people in the uh, papers today have been exposed to benefit fraudsters. And uh, there's another one here. This is the 26-year-old wife of Britain's oldest father of twins. Has now been exposed as a benefits cheat after failing to tell authorities she was no longer a single mother. It's amazing how it slips people's uh, mind. Seven grand she uh, robbed. And this is Lisa Roden, who's eight months pregnant with another child by her 72-year-old husband. She falsely claimed seven grand in council tax benefit and income support. And it's so blooming easy to do nowadays. There are people who've got away with it. Eventually, the uh, the councils wise up. Takes a bit of time because you're dealing with corruption on the inside as well as on the outside. And that's how a lot of these people manage to get away with it. But um, it'll be quite interesting here to see what happens. She won't actually. She says, uh, I lost the copies of the ones I made during the clear-out. I tried to explain that I hadn't received the letter. It's amazing how people conveniently forget things, isn't it? But uh, either way, will she go to prison? Of course she won't go to prison. All they'll do is try and try and get the money back. And it's people like that that can't ruin this, this country for the people who do the good. There's a guy yesterday, his name's uh, Ricky Ferguson. Uh, Ricky Ferguson is a soldier. And yesterday he was on display because he got his uh, MC from the Queen. Uh, he lost both legs an eye and fingers on both hands in a blast in Afghanistan in January. But he's only been on his artificial legs for six weeks, but he was determined to walk up to the Queen to receive the military cross. He was honoured for going to help wounded comrades. And you read a story like that, and you look at the picture of him in the paper, and you think, God, you're worth a million of what these thieving bloody benefit fraudsters are. An absolute million. He said, that's what I wanted to do. He said, it's not the first time I've worn boots... They're not easy to walk in because they tip you up at an angle, but I still managed to walk up to the Queen, so good for him. But that's why I say, when you read these stories about this filth who thieve off the uh, the country and cheat everybody, you think, do you know, you feel like sending them all out to Afghanistan, saying, I tell you what, we're going to send you out there for a week. You know, if you come back intact in a week, well, good for you. If you don't, well, kind of tough, isn't it, really? Uh, soft sentencing is the front story on The Sun, which is what I've said all the time. Thousands of thugs will dodge jail because the Tories have ditched their vow to get tough on crime, and mainly because they can't afford to keep people in prison. costs, uh, you know, far too much money, so they don't bother. I mean, it's ridiculous. They, they've actually cut 6,500 prison places, so people now who might sort of produce knives, and there's very little chance of going to prison. So, in other words, it's actually going to become uh, a quite lawless society. I mean, it's pretty lawless at the moment. You can get away with anything. There's some woman who was running a cafe nearly poisoned 46 police officers because she had mouse droppings everywhere. And I think, you want to come round our way and see some of the fast food takeaways? Some of them are absolutely disgusting and yet people eating them. And the council around our way do absolutely nothing about it. Absolutely nothing. You can bang on about it all the time again. Have you seen the filth in this place? Overnight, the solidified grease and the fat. And, you know, and you think, and this is a food place. I wouldn't go within a mile of it. 
Jemima Khan is in the papers today. And the reason she's in the paper is because uh, she pledged £20,000 for Julian Assange. Uh, this is the, uh, the, uh, the man here who uh, is, uh, it is claimed, is behind Wikipedia and he's up on a, um, a charge at the moment of rape. And she put £20,000 up. She doesn't even know him. She's five people... And she wrote on Twitter, I offered my supporters, I believe this is about the universal right of freedom of information and our right to be told the truth. Also in court, John Pilger, Ken Loach, Geoffrey Sheen and Professor Patricia David. So they, they, they've managed to get their money. Isn't it funny that you would pledge £20,000 to somebody you know nothing about? Absolutely nothing about. I suppose in the same way I'm, I'm as amazed as that as people who get in, in minicabs and they don't know the driver, they haven't booked it, they just get into this, into this car driven by a potential rapist. Oh, the good news is that uh, Wagner signed himself off benefits. I think so too, matey. £94 a week, just under, uh, what is it? Uh, oh, quite a lot of money, just under £400 a month he's been getting. He signed himself off. This is after the Sun led a campaign to stop him scrounging. Because frankly, if he's got a frozen shoulder, I'm Dutch. Because you cannot do the things he was doing on the X Factor with a frozen shoulder. And we seem to be turning up more and more benefit fraudsters on the television. They seem to turn up on all sorts of programmes. And then it turns out, you know, that, uh, that they've either been thieving from the country or, you know, they're a secret porn star or something. Everybody's got a bit of history. And that's why I'm, I'm so intrigued by this story of the £30,000 baby, the most pampered child. And I'm looking at the family thinking, why would you go into the papers to tell people like that. Normally rich people don't do it because it's tacky. And in this case, it is particularly tacky. It's a bit like Cher Lloyd, once smiling, you know, as opposed to doing the complete, let's do the fake breaking down and sobbing and shaking uncontrollably. Here she is with, uh, with Cheryl Cole. They're obviously both uh, teeny tinies, both wearing four-inch heels to make them look, I suppose, reasonable size. But uh, she turned up at Malvern, where she sang at her old school and sobbed, oh dear, as usual. As the head said, she was always very gifted. Don't think so. Don't think so. I don't think she'll do very well. I don't think the British public like her. I don't think the British public like her at all. I don't know why it is they don't like her. I think suppose you see somebody on television and you think, I just don't like you, full stop. I think, you know, you could stand there and be absolutely the most brilliant person. We just don't like you. It's as simple as that. Jane Moore is talking today about the publicity picture for the Chi Arms, this supposed new wonder garment that squeezes in bingo wings. And she says here, but why is it being modelled by some skinny malinky with less meat on her than a nut cutlet? They always do that, don't they? And people think, oh, I'm going to end up looking as skinny as that. No, no, she starts off that skinny. You don't seriously think this model's got a problem with bingo wings, do you? Answer, no, she probably hasn't. Uh, mother of three, the reprehensible Terry Edkins, who we featured on this programme the other day. Uh, this is the 23-year-old who hoodwinked husband and loads of other people into pretending that she was uh, dying of uh, cancer. Wrote on her Facebook, Lawrence didn't know, n yeah, just leave... Lawrence, mm, my kids alone. Perhaps unsurprisingly, writes Jane Moore, uh, she has completed 12 years of schooling. She may not be ill, but it seems that certain parts of the education system are still in a critical condition. Thieving old bag, isn't she? And uh, here she is. It's, uh, it's lovely Colleen Rooney, who turned up to a garden centre. With, uh, with cut. There's a bit about Colleen Rooney in one of the papers today. Now, which paper was it? Where they, they'd obviously done an, an interview with Kai... Uh, with, sorry, with, with uh, Colleen. And then somebody had said afterwards, she's not the brightest penny in the box, is she? I'll, I'll, I'll find that for you a little bit later. Oh, it's Muriel Morris, who was the woman who nearly poisoned people at the uh, Morris 
meal machine cafe in a place called Netchels. I think it must be outside of Birmingham. And uh, they found mouse droppings for food hygiene charges. Apparently, uh, many uh, of the policemen who bought her sandwiches could have died had they not been fit in the first place because they were eating these dodgy chicken and, and tuna sarnies. They ordered more than 100 for teams policing conflicting English Defence League and anti-fascist demos in July. But 47 officers suffered severe poisoning because they had this uh, streptococcus uh, bug inside them because of this filthy condition. Strangely enough, she's been given a curfew, tagged, and a four-month suspended sentence. She apologised unreservedly. The place apparently was full of mouse droppings. There was bacteria everywhere. And it's the same with a lot of these places. Unless there was other woman on... I think it's, is it the Four Beds programme, where they're actually looking at people who own bed and breakfast, and they go around and visit everybody else's. And there was a woman the other day who was so fastidious, she was so anal about cleaning, that she burst into tears when she went into one of the places and discovered that the fire alarm in her room didn't have a, a noisy bit. So it was just a fire alarm. And she sat there with the tears rolling down her cheeks, and she seemed perfectly normal up... Well, I'm saying not perfectly normal, she seemed reasonably normal up until that moment. But uh, she was obsessed with with cleaning. She would go in there and she would look around the taps because she would clean around the taps in her place with a toothbrush. She had four different toothbrushes. I mean, she was quite, there was quite clearly something the matter with her. But she'd have had a field day in Muriel Morris's place because if it was that filthy... And she's since sold the business. Next time you're in your local takeaway, have a good look around at the hygiene. Have a look on the floor. Have a look, you know, if there's dust anywhere, chances are it's filthy elsewhere. But because the uh, the local councils are so overworked, they don't they don't bother go around checking these things. They can't be bothered. So they wait until somebody becomes immensely ill. But as I say, because you've got bents on the inside and bent people on the outside, I couldn't care whether they poison you. They're more interested in getting you £1.99 for three bits of chicken wings and a, and a Coke and a box of chips, I suppose. Uh, bad news is for the royal wedding, and I don't know why, because we've always enjoyed them in the past, it was the cheapest of these souvenirs. It was the tea towels. And the tea towels are the cheapest souvenirs. They've decided that they don't want them. They've said they would not be in good taste. Now, this is rubbish, because I've seen tea towels from a, a long time ago. And even the Charles and Diana ones, which cost, you know, about a pound or something, are now worth about ten quid. So they've all got, they've all got tea towels, but they're not going to have them for this couple. But they should do, because they're absolutely... M- Morning, team. Nice to have your company. Actually, after all the money that they spent on the Coronation Street crash, we're led to believe more than a million. The producer admitted that they had spent more than a million. Uh, Fans, apparently, on websites everywhere uh, branded it laughable. They said it was hilariously bad and a total laugh fest. Well, I thought it looked quite good. The bits I saw in the little clips that they showed earlier are quite good. Although, I'm delighted to report the Sun today have recreated the scene and they've done it for £99.50. What they've done is they bought models of houses, they bought little people, some, some rail track, a bridge, some cobblestones, some arches, and some blue tack. And they put it all together, then they set fire to it. And it looks exactly the same, sort of. And uh, strangely enough, the guy who was playing the tram driver is now fearing reprisals. Well, to be honest with you, he'd be the last person I'd be thinking about. He says, I worried that people were going to attack me for killing off favourite characters. So I've got glasses and a hat... I wear for when I travel on Manchester's trams so passengers don't recognise me. Well, I have to tell you, Tom, you could walk in here now and I wouldn't have the faintest idea who you were. I mean, we got such a brief glimpse as the, as the tram went over the top. It never actually occurred to me. 
that you'd be going to the papers selling this. He said it was getting closer and closer, and uh, and I was thinking, is this going to be the biggest episode of Coronation Street? He said, I was totally in shock and completely in awe of how they made it look. Well, that's what, they, that's what they're in business of. They have, they have done these things before. It's not, you know, they're not sort of bungling amateurs. They're all very professional up there at Corrie. And, uh, and they have done it, I suppose, to the, to the best of their ability. And it's worked on the figures. It's absolutely worked on the figures. It's, I mean, it's, it's done brilliantly. So they cannot complain. Jesus was a faggot. You won't believe that some poor vicar walks out of a church the other day and he's in Northamptonshire to be confronted by an eight-strong gang chanting... Jesus was a faggot, and other bits of abuse, which are totally unrepeatable. He'd never heard this before. Police are now investigating. He says, he said, he said, when I tried to talk to them, it just got worse. He said, in the end, I locked myself in the church, he said, and called the police. It was a lot easier. So the police are now trying to trace these yobbos. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not at all surprised, because every time I open up the papers every day, you read stuff in there that you think, it's all gone horribly wrong, hasn't it? It's, it's the kind of stuff that we seem to be breeding these sort of people nowadays who go round. It happened on a Sunday at the Independent Wesleyan Church in Finden in North Hants. And, and the, the, the Reverend says that they've actually attacked somebody that I've, I, you know, I, I'm very fond of. He said, that's why I can't understand it. He said, very frightening. 42 years in the ministry and something like this happens. Well, that's the state of the, the nation, isn't it? It's the programmes like, like the Jeremy Kyles that sort of, you know, say it's OK to have bad behaviour. And, and, they, and they absolutely seem to, uh, to sort of revel in it. I, f- I find it terribly depressing, I'm afraid, because you sit down and watch bad behaviour on television, people who can't string two words together, and we go, oh, you're a celebrity, aren't you? We have these ghastly Essex programmes and all the rest of it, and people go, oh, there must be celebrities. And so it encourages bad behaviour. And, uh, and, the, and, and the worse it is, the more chance there is of being a celebrity. They were saying that Sean Ryder, they had to bleep more times and I'm a celebrity, get me out of it, because every other word was a four-letter word. And this apparently is seen as some sort of uh, credibility nowadays. I'm thinking of weaving it in myself this morning. Have you been watching the new Four in a Bed series, says Stephen Bridlington? Talk about pick and mix. Oh, I mean, yesterday's was just hilarious. It's almost putting Come Dine With Me in the Shade. Almost putting Come Dine With Me in the Shade. Although they have got a DVD out of the, the best bits of Come Dine. I'm, I'm toying with the idea of buying it. I'm trying not to buy it. I'm trying not to buy it because I'm only thinking it'll be as disappointing as the Big Brother one. I bought the Big Brother and I thought, oh, it'll have loads. Of it. it was the biggest pile of rubbish I've ever ever seen. Could have been put together by a three-year-old. So I regretted that one. And I don't want to go for Come Dine With Me in case it turns out to be rubbish. Cathy uh, says, I don't know what it is about parents today. Are they living through their kids? Giving the kids things that they missed out on when they themselves were kids. Well, strangely enough, in the sun today in the centre pages, here's this uh, couple again. And here they are talking about how much they, they, they've spent on their, their child. And £30,000. And you're looking at the size of this woman and you're thinking, why would you want to go in the papers and do this? You know, what would be the purpose? Is it to sort of boast that you've got £30,000 you can afford to waste on a child? Because, frankly, it just looks cheap and tacky. You know, far from spending a lot of money, it looks naff. It really does. I mean, little Ugg boots. She says, I, I, I bought her. Nothing is too good for my little girl. Well, quite clearly, you're a bit deranged. She's bought them, even though she's too young to walk. I mean, the wardrobe's got designer outfits and everything else. The, the one... They have uh, two nurseries. The one at the family's house in Winchester cost £6,000, and the bill for the other at their Florida holiday home was 5000 I mean, it's, to be honest with you, and the, the, even the son have said, you know, do you spoil your baby? Tell us your tales. But why would you want to go in the papers and tell people about this? It just makes you look a bit daft, I'm afraid. But uh, but she she's there, I suppose, and she's fairly happy. Monty Don, 
The good news is, is that returning to Gardner's World, unfortunately that puts uh, Toby Buckland out of a job. Toby spoke of the disappointment, because Monty stepped down, do you remember, after suffering a strike? I quite like Monty, Don. Mind you, we, we, we like loads of gardeners, because we've used our fair share on LBC over the years. And uh, we do like Christine Walkden, the compost queen, has to be honest. I mean, she was always the most down-to-earth gardener. In fact, she was the one on LBC we used to get through. On an average programme, you would get through about ten calls. We, we hold the world record, I think, for the amount of calls on a phone-in programme. And we had, I think she got through 40. 40 calls she got through in a programme. She rattled through them. And every year, at Christmas time, we got exactly the same call after Christmas. I was given a point set here. How do I make it last again? And what it involves doing with a point set here, is cutting it down to the, uh, to the to about, you know, th- three inches, I think, of the stem, and then sticking it in an airing cupboard and leaving it there. And then eventually it will, it will start again for next year. But you've, you've got to leave it there. because Most people buy, buy a point set here. Then they discover they can't look after it because of central heating, so they chuck the thing out because it, uh, it, it goes terrible, doesn't it? Mark says, say hello to Rob for me, please. Otherwise, he'll cry. We don't mind people crying at this time of the morning. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC dot uk uh, gavin henson is ready to move on and find a new girlfriend thanks to strictly he seems to be winning people over because he's not the brightest penny in the box but he seems to be winning them over again uh, kerry katona is crawling back sorry going back to this morning again this is two years after the infamous interview are you saying i'm drunk and that was the one with uh, with philip schofield and uh, and philip said no you don't seem right to me and then th- she, she then called out to her husband mark at the time it's because I'm on medication. I had some last night, didn't I, Mark? I mean, quite clearly a waste of space, I'm afraid, in every, in every uh, aspect. But she's now going on because she's going on Dancing on Ice next month. And she blamed this morning for showing her up. She fumed, I'll never go on that programme again. Which of course she did. I'm extremely annoyed at how they made me look. I've got an illness. It's down to the tablets I'm on for my bipolar disorder. She now made a U-turn. It's lucky, isn't it? Off the tablets. And uh, she's going to... Uh, she, she's promised to smooth things over with Philip. I would have thought a blatant apology to everybody for your uh, behaviour over the years, Kerry, would be ideal. Well, failing that, why don't you donate all your fee to charity? Won't happen, but it'd be a nice thing to do, isn't it? Uh, watch out. There's a new show for um, Louis Spence. He's got one on Sky West, uh, sorry, on Sky West, on Sky One, as he tries to get a West End show on the road. And, uh, and strangely enough, the ITV2 reality show James Argent is still dragging his weary carcass around, and uh, he's singing, because I think they filmed the Christmas edition of The Only Way is Essex, just to make out that uh, they really have got something to, uh, to offer the public. Uh, Dawn in Ryslip has enjoyed looking through the pictures which Chris, Chris Tadulu took at the Mermaid. Did a great job. I think they were round the wrong way, actually. The ones which said they were the uh, afternoon session were, in fact, the evening session and vice versa. I think that's how it worked. And uh, she said, I don't know why I chose to split them into an afternoon and evening. Uh, for the simple reason, because there were some people who only went to each show. And so there's no point in you trawling through the uh, afternoon ones if you only went to the evening one. And regarding all the stuff she says going on about the X Factor fix over the weekend, I've seen the results posted on Facebook. Rebecca, 29%. Matt, 25 One Direction, 19 They're way down, aren't they? One Direction, 19%. But they're, they're the ones who are going to win, together with Matt, I suspect. Cher, 14 and Mary, 13 So, in other words, if they are correct, Mary Byrne would have been voted out anyway. Uh, she says it'll be interesting to see if the numbers are correct once the results are published after the show. I've no reason to doubt that the, the numbers are correct. It's just that if, if it's supposed to be us voting somebody out, why it comes down to the judges? Because I suspect if we'd been voting uh, and, and we'd been told it was going to be us, 
<coughs> excuse me, uh, I think we probably would have voted Sher out. We, ma- we managed to get rid of, um, of Katie. I think we would have got rid of Sher. To be honest with you, I don't know why we ever kept Mary in anyway. Because I don't think Mary's such a great singer. I heard her the other day. She's going to have an album out. But as I said yesterday, who would buy it? Who would buy the, the album? I don't know what sort of person would go out and go, I'm going to buy that. Because she's, she's not the greatest. She's absolutely not the greatest, I'm afraid. Uh, Michelle says, you said the other day that Peter Andre's record had only reached number 14 in the charts after he'd done everything possible to advertise it. In actual fact, says Michelle, he had absolutely no airplay on any main radio stations whatsoever. Um, but I was right. He did do everything possible to advertise it. Getting, getting an airplay on a radio station is not advertising it. That's because it gets into the charts. That's how that works. But uh, he did appear on every single TV show to try and plug it. The truth of the matter is, Michelle, that nobody's really interested in Peter Andre. And to get to number 14 in the charts, I think you'd be selling uh, less than 1,000 copies, I would think. I mean, you can get to the top of the charts now with just a few thousand. So to number 14, it, it goes to prove that there really isn't enough interest in poor old Peter. Which is, which is a shame, because I'm sure he does his best, but he's a little bit old to be, a, to be a pop star now. 37, pushing 40, doesn't really do a lot, just rehearses for a show, nicking other people's ideas, and, uh, and the singing, it's a bit okay. It's not, not special, though, is it, I'm afraid? Uh, Anne says, I'm one of your northern, northern listeners, but I'm not a chav. I agree with you that something's got to be done about the country. Too many do-gooders, and the latest being is that prisoners winning the right to be addressed as Mr. He's a prisoner! I ask you, what rights do the people that the uh, crime was perpetrated against actually have? It's ludicrous that authorities come down in favour of criminals. I know, it's, it, well, you get, it's the lawyers, isn't it? It's the ambulance chasers now. They're all over the place. And, in fact, now, at a lot of demonstrations, you've got lawyers handing out cards with the, with the name of the, uh, of the lawyer on it, saying, you know, if you've been pushed by a policeman, call this number. We'll, we'll look after you and we'll make sure that you get some compensation. The good thing is that Anne is cruising the Indian Ocean with Saga from Sunday the 12th. How lovely. How lovely to be cruising the... I've never actually been to the Indian Ocean, but it sounds absolutely delightful. And I hope you have a, a very nice time. Nick Ferrari this morning, after the news at 7. He's going to be talking about the tuition fee vote. Nick will be asking whether the Lim- Lib Dems will survive... Plus, you'll be hearing from the NUS president, Aaron Porter, ahead of two days of expected student protests. Why can't they go and do it somewhere else? Why don't they go and do it in Birmingham? Why don't they go and do it in Manchester? Why does it have to be in London? Why do we have to suffer all the time? There's people here trying to go about their sort of normal... Why don't they go and do it somewhere? Go and do it on the Isle of Wight. Go and do it anywhere. And, of course, it's the 30th anniversary of John Lennon's death. Nick wants to know what the singer meant to you. To be honest with you, the latter part of his life, absolutely nothing at all. Nothing at all. I've heard all the uh, interviews, and uh, I think Mark Chapman is eligible for parole. The man who murdered him, but as Yoko Ono said, she'll never forget when the doctors came out of the hospital that night and said, uh, I'm sorry, we, we couldn't save him. It's everybody's worst nightmare, and she couldn't believe it at all, and she relives that all the time. Um, was John Lennon doing anything musically towards the end? Probably not. Probably not, but he, he just finished doing an interview and they, they've got that interview. But I've, I find it difficult to believe that somebody who murders somebody can then be eligible for parole. Very strange indeed. So they'll be talking about that with uh, Nick this morning. Uh, 30 years since the shooting of John Lennon, just outside the Dakota building where he had his uh, flat. And in fact, they have the last picture. It'll be etched in everybody's memory for ages when you look at it and you think, there is Mark Chapman getting an autograph and then all of a sudden he'll just turn, turn the gun on him. Margaret says, say bon voyage to my friend Janice, who came to the show on Saturday. She's off to Canada tomorrow to spend Christmas with her family. She's never had a dedication on the radio, so it would mean a lot to her. So there you go. So Janice, off to Canada. Blimey, you think it's cold here? 
You wait till you get to Canada. These are the headlines. A man whose wife was killed last month on their honeymoon in South Africa has been arrested in the UK on behalf of South African authorities. The Metropolitan Police say Shreen Duwani was detained on suspicion of conspiring to murder Anna Duwani. A man's been arrested on suspicion of causing death by dangerous driving after a black cab passenger died in a crash in West London yesterday. The man died on the A4 near Sutton Court Road. And a taser's gone missing in Lambeth after a police officer accidentally placed it on the roof of his patrol car before driving off. The officer's been removed from firearms duty and an investigation is underway. Let's have a check on the roads for you this morning. Get you there nice and quickly. It's bitterly cold. LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. LBC 97.3. It's a series of pictures in the, in the papers today of a woman who did something extremely foolish... She walked on a frozen lake. And the reason she was foolish is because if you walk on a frozen lake, as you get towards the middle, the ice gets thinner. And consequently, uh, she walks out there. Her dog falls in and, and she decides that she's going to try and get the dog out, which, of course, is a very stupid thing to do. So the dog paddles around, quite enjoying the water. She falls in and can't get out again. Eventually, she gets out. The dog panicked. Uh, the dog just walks away quite calmly, just sort of going, a little bit cold. And uh, this woman here, wearing all her cold weather gear, I mean, to be honest with you, she lay down to spread her weight, but uh, the ice just gave way, because you never, ever, 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 in a million years, walk on a frozen lake. It's as simple as that. You don't know how thick the ice is. You don't know anything about it at all. And so what you do is you stay well away from any ice. If the dog falls in, they can get themselves out. It's as simple as that. There was a case the other week of a, of a poor man who actually went to get his dog out of, uh, of a river. And uh, he fell in and he, he died. So the advice is from everybody, the RSPCA and from Rosper, don't ever chase your dog onto the ice. If it goes on the ice, let it go on the ice. It'll get itself out. It's as simple as that. Do not, I'm afraid, ever go there. Because this woman was very lucky to get away with her life. Very, very lucky indeed. Very lucky. And uh, so she can tell the tale. But other people have not been so lucky. We've had children who go onto the ice and play, even though there are big signs, do not play on this frozen river, and people still stand there. You know, daft as a brush, I'm afraid. But at the same time, you know, you're risking your life. And it's, it's just not worth it. Uh, lots of stars were out in force at the OK party to celebrate the Embassy Nightclub's ninth birthday. Again, it was the same poor old people, I'm afraid. David Van Day, Imogen Thomas, Ashleen Horgan Wallace. You often wonder what they do, apart from just turn up to parties and pick up a goodie bag and go home again. But I suppose that's the life of a reality celebrity nowadays. And then uh, on the front of OK magazine, uh, they've got uh, Chantel... Uh, and and Rav, and already they've done an interview which kind of scuppers Rav's chance of ever being taken seriously on a television programme ever again, but presumably he got advice from somebody saying, oh, this'll be good, you've been going out with somebody for a couple of weeks, why don't you start talking about your relationship? I bet the wife's absolutely thrilled to pieces. Must be absolutely delighted to see him on the front page with somebody as dim as Chantel. Uh, married and already divorced, but uh, and hoping to have got back with Preston. But you remember that one didn't work out because he wasn't interested. He was just doing it for the publicity. But of course, uh, she didn't know. And then luckily, fell in love with Rav. So that was great, wasn't it? And we found another benefit cheat. This is Martin Gilly. Martin Gilly uh, claimed he was virtually unable to walk. Unfortunately, he was doing a rock and roll tribute act. He's been doing it for some years, and he's coined nineteen thousand uh, pounds. 
the Department of Work and Pensions actually got a tip-off from somebody. That's how it works, apparently, in these things. Uh, generally, somebody phones up and says, oh, you know, listen, so-and-so is working here, and uh, they're, they're actually claiming benefits. It used to be a benefit fraud hotline. In fact, I'm sure there used to be a benefit fraud hotline. And... Um, he got 19,000 over nine years, claiming he was crippled with uh, osteoarthritis, but then he was filmed working as a, as a tour guide. And uh, all he's got here, a four-month suspended jail sentence and 100 hours unpaid work. However, the judge said, we want the money back, OK? We want the 19,000 quid back. Hopefully we get it. I think we'd just better go into somebody's house and just take everything away, take the car, you know, anything to repay, like, as, as if it was a debt, which it is. I mean, you know, when you send in the debt collectors, you know, Mark comes around to repossess cars. That's what we should use for these things. You owe us 19000 and take your car. Well, that's all I've got to work. Well, it's your problem, isn't it? Everybody else has to suffer. Uh, Hugh says, to be fair, Lennon did a fair bit in his latter years. Imagine was not insignificant. Yeah, but I think on the, when he was actually shot, I mean, I don't think too many people worried. I wasn't even totally convinced that he was with Yoko Ono. At the end, I know they were, but he'd had this fling before. And then there's another woman in the papers today talking about her her relationship with him. I was never a huge fan. I always thought they were a bit balmy, him and Yoko. I think they they met in a in an art gallery when she gave him a little card with "Breathe" written on it, which I thought was quite sweet. Somebody sent me one of those the other day. I think it was actually might have been. It was a friend of mine who sent <laughs> sent me a text. Oh, no, it was Anthony Davis going "Breathe." And I think, I think I had to write back to him and say, what do you mean, breathe? I didn't know what he was on about, actually. And, and I, I then immediately thought that it was, that's right, he said, breathe. And I said, yeah, right, you or me? And he wrote back, you, I'm relaxing in the sauna. <laughs> so I wrote, you've got the heating up again. Because <laughs> that's what he did, he just turns the heating up at home. And uh, he decides that it's going to be a sauna, which is very funny. Uh, also, the paper today, Coronation Street special. Uh, they've got lots of the stars. I saw them being interviewed the other day by Stephen Mulhurt. They weren't very good, actually. But in one of the papers, they have got a list of uh, of the old Coronation Street stars, the ones that many of you will remember and the ones that you think uh, are the ones that would go around the world, the ones that you'd go, oh, if you're thinking of Coronation Street, you're going to think of Hilda Ogden, aren't you? You're going to think of, of Bernard Ewins, who played the long-suffering Stan. Uh, you're going to think of Ina Sharples. These are all people who are sort of long since passed on, with the exception of, um, of, uh, of a couple of them. But they're, they're all there, and they, I suppose, forged the, uh, the way that Coronation Street is now. And if it can get, in this day and age, 15 million people, it's just amazing that all these years later, when Coronation Street has turned around so much, and now it actually has become, you know, uh, the, the worst place you want to live, with murderers living on the street, with uh, adulterers... Um, illegal minicab driver. I mean, everything. It's just got absolutely everything in one street. And yet it took them long enough, didn't it, to get an Asian running the corner shop. The rest of the country, for years and years, unfortunately, over in Coronation Street, they were very slow. Whereas everybody will tell you, it's mainly Asian people who took over the corner shops, as Suresh Joshi used to say when he used to do Geek Marley. He said, the only reason the Asians don't play football, he said, every time they get a corner, they open a shop. And, uh, and that gag he used for about 15 years on the programme which was incredible. The bad news is, I'm afraid, they're going to axe checks. Banks have now been accused of rank ageism towards older customers after experts said check users could face financial penalties. I still write out a couple of checks. I have to, because I don't know any other way of doing it, paying a couple of the, uh, the bills. But they now say that the number of checks written is falling by 10% each year. 
So the Payments Council are going to end the use of cheques by 2018. In Finland and Poland, they've axed them completely. They started in 1770, and it was when some bank clerks began meeting at the Five Bells, a tavern in Lombard Street in the City of London. And to be honest with you, I've, I've used cheques ever since. I quite like using cheques. Somebody says, you know, you do this, and then you write out a piece of paper, and you, you give it on to them, and that's how it, that's how it works. But most of the time now, you pay your tax bill online, your VAT bill online. Uh, you buy stuff abroad or here. You either stick it on a card, which you've registered with, with Amazon or whoever it happens to be. You, pay, you can pay for everything online on a card. You can pay the congestion charge on a card. You don't need to write out a cheque. In fact, I'd be highly suspect and highly suspicious if somebody walked into a garage, filled up the car with petrol, and then said, and I make the cheque payable to who? Because they used to have stamps in garages that they put at the, at the top of the thing. And they would go, oh, right, we'll do it. Nowadays, they don't. Mainly because, you know, if, if, you, if, if you're writing out a cheque, I would think it's very dodgy. Hardly anybody takes the blooming things nowadays, which is a shame. Uh, Bryn and Annie. Uh, great to see Chris Christodoulou, the photographer at The Mermaid. Apparently he knew me from the past, says Bryn, and I've sent him a copy of my autobiography, Red Tales in the Sunset, in return for a couple of pictures with you and Annie and me. He says, talking of a, a bit of a moan, because he likes a bit of a moan, as we all do, and driving a Bentley, you must always have your hands deep in your pockets paying for gas. Is it diesel or petrol? Petrol. He says, my XJ6 Jag takes 75 litres, and I filled it up last week from nearly empty. The cost of a full tank was over £90. I know, I regularly get... Well, in fact, I, I try and make sure that I've got about just under a quarter of a tank. I fill it up, and it, again, it's about, it's about the £90 mark which is not bad. He said, we're going to France next week and we'll arrive in Cairn empty and fill up there and the cost will be less than 90 euros, around 20 quid cheaper than over here. Why, I ask, is petrol cheaper than diesel in France and yet nearly 14 pence per litre dearer in the UK? It's daylight robbery. It is. It's the government and it's the taxation on it. And the taxation is so high. That's why you go to America, petrol's cheap. Over here, costs a fortune. You're right. I'm not surprised people pay for, for petrol with credit cards. It's the only way to do it, because who carries that sort of cash around with them? The answer, not many people. Mind you, I suppose the answer would be, and pe- people would say to us, that you've got gas-guzzling cars. But it's not that we sort of have gas-guzzling cars, it's just that they're bigger cars, and they do tend to uh, use a bit more petrol. So, I mean, I don't use it all the time. I don't use the car for backwards and forwards. I have a car in in the morning, and I go home by public transport, so that's quite nice. Mainly because I can get a bacon sandwich <laughs> somewhere along the line. They do a bacon baguette at one of these places that I pass, and you can't risk the smell. I mean, you can't go past in the morning. You smell it, and you think, I'm terribly sorry, I'm, I'm definitely going for that. Bacon sandwich in a, in a hot baguette with tomato ketchup on is kind of a winner as far as uh, I'm concerned. Uh, I had to email you this one, says Patricia, uh, from Liverpool. Uh, a point set here. It's not for life. The only thing to do with one after Christmas, that's the Liverpudlian for Christmas, that's Crimbo, is to chuck it, saving a few of its beautiful crimson uh, bracts for pressing or adding to a potpourri. It's not naturally a houseplant due to the tender leaves, and if you place it in a cupboard, it will not thrive. Ah, no, it will, you see. This is to make it grow again for next year. So you cut it down, so you've just got it in the pot. Oh, yes, many people manage to make their, their poinsettias come back second year. Although I agree with you, for the price that they are... It's easier not to bother. It's cheaper just to go out and buy uh, another one. Graham says, my friend Paul is en route to Weybridge from Hampshire. He says, I know he's listening. He might even get me a coffee if I'm successful in getting a mention. And uh, other parents of the £30,000 child, fans of Jordan and the Roonies? I should imagine so. And Graham in Ricelip is remembering with everybody else the news that we heard 30 years ago today that John Lennon... (laughs) 
Morning, team. Nice to be company. Nine minutes past uh, six. And uh, thank you to uh, to Barry, Wayne. He says, thank you for making us laugh out loud. Looking forward to the show. Enjoy the nibbles from Radlett and come back and do a show at the Radlett Centre. Please. Thank you very much. Thank you to all of you for the Christmas cards. We've got a whole load today from Shirley and Brian in Bovington. Is that where the army camp is, Bovington? I'm pretty certain it is. And uh, another one here from Jill from Strawberry Hill. And uh, lots of glitter on cards, which you know I like so much. Uh, this is from Pat in Banstead. One here of the, I think it's the Sally Army from, uh, from Betty Edwards. And a long one from Paul, Paul Lenny, who's having a terrible year. He said, uh, Dad had a stroke, split up with housemate, uh, cat diagnosed with diabetes, and the other with epilepsy. God, blimey. That's what you call a complete set, I'm afraid, going on there. Uh, 84850, steve at UK being Wednesday. Jonathan Levi's back with us in the studio. Hello, good morning. morning. Good nice morning. To see you. Good, nice to see you. From the turquoise sea, a cloud of bubbles rise to the surface. A portly figure emerges. It is safe for diving. Puff General Ahmed Salah El Adaqua, yes. the General Governor of Southern Sinai. <laughs> a couple just, of days just earlier, just pop into the water. Pop into the water like that poor German woman. Oh, that was terrible. terrible. Actually, there is a, a story in the paper today of, of uh, I think, her daughter, who has said. Um, my mum literally used her body to save me. She said one minute she was floating on the top, the next minute the shark dragged her under, then she came up, screamed, and then went under again. I mean, absolutely dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. They do an exploratory bite, I think, the sharks. Yes, to see what it is. See what it is, see what you taste like. And then if you're tasty, and you've... The thing is that it's all-you-can-eat buffets around there, isn't it, all those hotels? But they don't... But I didn't think sharks sharks ate us. Well, Because we don't have the right... You know, we're not like seal blubber and stuff like that. I know, but those all-you-can-eat buffets are very nice. Yes, and they do feed the sharks out there so that the tourists can go out and take a photograph of a shark being fed. Yeah. And so, consequently, if, if you go out there and you go, oh, look, sharks, Chum. And, and all of a sudden, they don't have any food and they come a bit nearer in. Yeah. It's like, if you start feeding a cat at home that's not yours, it'll keep coming back. Yeah. Because it'll go wherever there's food. It's like, if somebody said the other day, there was a, there was a bit on... Uh, the Good Life with Barbara Good and her husband, and they were going away on holiday, and they said, what are we going to do? And Margot next door said, why don't you just leave enough food for three days? And she said, they're animals. They, if, if there's food there, they'll eat it all. Yeah. They, they, they don't know, they eat a bit, save a bit, bit no. save a bit. You know, they no. don't work like that. No, not squirrels. Wouldn't encourage me to go to Sharm El-Sheikh. No. No, certainly not swim in the sea. No. I mean, they, they, the, the, the Home Office, the Foreign Office, are saying, you know, if you're going there, make sure you're in the right sort of boat. Don't go swimming in the sea. Swim in the pools. Yeah. So, Florida, a lot of alligators in Florida. Lots of alligator oh, attacks. Oh, gotcha. Lots of crocodiles in Florida, too. Lots of quite dangerous, a lot of these places, aren't they? And, you know, you sort of think that they're all lovely and, you know, this. Yeah, but we've, in, but we've actually invaded their space. If you go to Florida, all of, all of the, the land that is reclaimed is all the swamps. So if you, yeah. if you drive through Florida at night, all you hear is, is crickets and frogs. That's true. And the noise is deafening. And you think, that's because we've built houses in their habitat. And there are alligators everywhere in yes. Florida. Sitting by all stagnant pools. Oh, yes. You wouldn't want to go jogging in the morning in Florida. No, you wouldn't. Oh. Because they do pop out and pop out in people's swimming pools. And you see television programmes where they've actually sort of had to go around to sort of get them out of people's pools. And they really enjoy eating you. I don't think they like sharks. I think they really like the taste of people. Do they? Sharks. Uh, sorry, alligators and crocodiles. Yes, they have had cases of alligators or crocodiles where they've sort of found dismembered limbs in their stomachs and things like yeah. that. But at the moment, all the people in Sharm El Sheikh seem to be going out killing sharks indiscriminately to find out which one committed the crime. What are they going to do, put it up in court or something? <laughs> I've never really so stupid in my life. I know. So they've now got an expert from Florida going out there who's going out to see if he can identify the shark. 
Well, it's probably miles away by now. It's not going to hang around, is it? It's got half a German woman. It's not, you know, they're not going to swim around going, oh, I did well yesterday, got a German. You know, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Not going to find it. You're going to get all his mates to come down anyway. Yeah, I don't know how many there are. I mean, I often think if if you could pull a plug, though, at the bottom of the ocean, and it all all the way like that, how many sharks and whales would there be? Would there be, like, loads and loads? Loads and loads. Really? I think so. They're not endangered in any way? I don't know. Not sort of like elephants or anything? I don't think so. I'm not sure. Maybe somebody knows. Sharks and whales endangered. I don't think this particular species is. No. But, but great whites and hammerheads are the really dangerous ones, aren't they, I think? I thought hammerheads were all right, aren't oh, they? Are they? I thought hammerheads were OK. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not... It's like adders and common British snakes. Oh, I, yeah. I can't tell the difference grass between an snake. adder and a grass snake. They've got little pointy tongues. They come out... They, they can take your arm off, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I've only ever seen an adder once, and that was under a, under a rock in the wetlands centre near Bristol with, when I was filming with Nick Park. And we pulled a, open this rock, and underneath was a little adder. Was it, was it definitely an adder? Definitely an adder. He said it was an adder. Right. And I wouldn't have known. No, you see, I'm, I'm not going to argue. Yeah. But they bite, don't they, adders? I would think so. I, I mean, think so. I think most snakes would, would rather retreat... Yeah. But I've seen people, when they used to get that Australian guy used to go around and go, come on, little chap, come yeah. on, and pick it up, and the snake would be going, like that, and he's going, oh, come on, it doesn't speak English. You know, what do you think this is going to do? Go, oh, that's okay, I recognise you, you brought the film crew with you. That, the one that was murdered by the stingray? Yes. Oh, yeah. By its tail, poor yeah. man. Poor I man. liked him, you know, but I thought it was almost, it was yeah, almost was nice. destiny and prophetic that he was killed by an animal that he was filming. Pe- pe- people then went on revenge attacks against stingrays. Yes, I know. Well, they, in, in one part of America, they go out and they have a concerted attack against rattlesnakes. Right. And they go out into wherever it is and they lift up rocks and they find a rattlesnake and they literally grab it and they use it as a whip. And they go like that to kill it. So they kill hundreds of them and they think it's something kind of big to kill them because it's, they've, they've got some revenge going on. I've got a terrifying story about a python, but there's not really time. Oh, do it, do it a minute. I hate snakes. I'm really not good. I've got some listeners who've got snakes, and I cannot bear them. No. I couldn't... A friend of mine used to walk round Stringfellows years ago, round the Hippodrome, with a snake around his neck, and it was a big, thick python. I mean, as big as, you know, like, big as your leg. And, and it, I said, why'd you bring it in a disco? He said, because they're deaf. <laughs> they're deaf. It couldn't hear a thing. But people used to touch it and were amazed. It used to frighten the life out of me. Occasionally on the news, there'll be a council flat with a crocodile in the bath. Yes. Quite normal, actually, really, isn't it? I oh, suppose. that's normal. Crocodiles yeah. in bars in council flats, very normal. Quarter past six is the time. News headlines with Sam Pittis. Nick Ferrari and have your say this morning from 7, LBC 97.3. Oh, dear. Uh, Nicholas says, I'm sure Steve Mary's very nice, but the truth is she looks and sounds like a pub singer. She does, and she does sound like a pub singer. You know, I mean... Uh, oh, the, what's the point of Mary? I mean, really, what... Is well, I, 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 I agree mean, with yeah. you, but it, it's, it's the fact that poor, poor Louis Walsh insists on bigging these people up and going, you're a star, you're, and I'm thinking, stop feeding them this waffle. It's just rubbish. She's not as balmy and peculiar as a Subo. No. And we've already got a Subo anyway. That's what I said. We already have one of those. We don't need two, do and, we? And she's not balmy and peculiar enough anyway. Yeah. She's quite normal, really. She's a perfect... Which makes her a bit dull. Normal, plausible, 
perfectly well presented, attractive older woman who works at Tesco. Really? She's well, not re- you know, she's sort of normal within the realms of normal, isn't she? She's not hideous. She's not particularly good looking. She's not particularly thin. She's not particularly fat. She's sort of we'll on the, the same woman here, fattish side of things. <laughs> yeah, she's on the I'm fattish. Trying to be nice side. about it. I know, but at the end of the day, it's called the X Factor as opposed to the. She's certainly got quite a bit of extra factor. Yeah, but it's it's called the X Factor, and she's what they're looking got a for nice is a voice. package. Yeah, it's pleasant. a pop star. She's they're not going to sell her. You can't no. sell something like Louis will probably put her out there, and she'll do the rounds, and the album will be remaindered within a short space of time. If that, if that, and then they'll go. Thank you very much indeed, because they'll be moving on to something else. Yeah. I mean, if, if if they'd kept in contact with all the X Factor people, I should imagine Simon would be ripping his hair out. Yeah, there's too many of them now. And it, they don't want to dilute their own brand that much. They don't want to bring out too many albums that no. bomb. He will dominate at Christmas. It is under scrutiny, all that sort of stuff. You know, they, if, yeah. if they bring an album out with her and it bombs, it does, it's not good for all of them, really. Yes. I mean, it, they don't want to do it to too, with too many people at all. I mean, she can do the tour, she'll make a lot of money. They'll all make money. Yes. All those people in the last, the final ten, or yes. whatever it is. They won't make a huge amount, but they will make some money. I mean, it depends what they want to do. I've noticed. She ever would at Tesco. Oh, of course, yes. But Ollie Murs is saying now, um, I I wouldn't mind designing my own clothing range. I'm thinking hedging your bets already with the singing. I'm afraid. Yeah. I don't. I I don't think it's going to go much longer for him. I think they all have a little bit, but none of them because they, they they don't write anything. They're not, they're not musicians, apart from Matt Cardle, who, who can play a guitar. But the rest of them w- will just be used as you'll bring out a Greatest Hits album. Well, their heads get turned. That's one of the big downsides. I love yes. the show. I love watching the show. Mm. I think it's fantastic. But it's a big downside of that show is that it, it just gives a certain number of people delusions of grandeur yeah. and the feeling and a taste of something that... Uh, they're not equipped for, they can't sustain because there's no proper foundation there for it. No, well, they don't have time to explain to somebody how it works. Cher, Cher's advice to uh, to Katie, apparently, was don't read the papers, which seems brilliantly intelligent, I suppose. But they're all, how long are they signed for to Psycho? A couple of years. Two years, yeah. yeah. Two yeah. years. So as Mary says, yeah, I'm a, signed like, for just two Just as years. an option. Yes. So, they, so the, they could potentially do nothing for two years, couldn't they? Or you, you could go along and say, I tell you what I'll do, I'll, I'll buy Mary's contract out, in which case Simon would go, well, thank you. And you can buy yeah. the contract out and you can then record with her. Yeah. But you've got to think if you're going to make money out of it, and I don't think you're going to make money out of it, there's not yeah. enough people who are going to buy it. And, he, and you know, at the end, it's, it's become a little bit feeble with Louis going, I'd like to thank you know, all the people in Ireland for voting. And you think, listen... We know she's Irish, we know you're Irish, but she's not that good. There are better pub singers in Ireland than that. Yeah. You know. Than that. And than that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Vs of E, come dine with me, says D. How many episodes are there? Because I keep seeing the same ones over and over again, and why is everybody hideous? They never used to be. Well, they replay them on more for yeah. the older ones. Yeah, and so, I mean, to back. some of them are, are actually very nice, but they've started having people who sit there going, I don't eat this, I don't eat that, and I'm thinking, it's called Come Dine With Me, not How Big a Prat Can You Be on television. Because yeah. some of them are really odd, they, they seem to be finding oddballs now. You'd like them, because they're, they're all the sort of peculiar people that you'd give their own show to. Yeah, I like the peculiar ones. Yeah. A, bit, a friend of mine was working on Come Dine With Me, and she was explaining how it works. I mean, they do do it, as it's seen, one night after another, yeah. but the dinners take forever. Ever to film, yes. and apparently, sort of one thirty, two in the morning, they're coming. all yawning. They're sitting upstairs doing the interview, sitting in the bedroom, sitting them down to talk about the meal. They're exhausted by the end of the week, yeah. and then they've got just a, literally a few hours sleep, and they have to start all over again the next day, and then planning for the next day's filming, and it's back to back, and then they go straight into the edit, and then they. That's why you walk together. out fat because you're eating five meals. Yeah, 
Oh, dear. I don't know if I could cope with it. Although, strangely <laughs> enough, a lot of these celebrity ones, they're given the option of not using their own house. They're hardly, quite often not in yes, their Yes, quite own often house, not their own they? homes. Yeah. Did you see the Coronation Street celebrity one the other I saw, day? No, was I saw the sort of very... clips of it with that disgusting Ken Morley. Yeah, he's obviously oh, completely mad. Ugh, horrid. I never liked him anyway in the series. A sort of comedy lech. Like, sort of, so absurdly, sort of... Just horrid. Lascivious. Yes, I mean, I, you know, to sort of leer over Julie Goodyear. Well, she was very uncomfortable. He Not leapt surprised. on her at He one leapt point. on her, I know. Perhaps he thinks he's being funny. I think he might do. But I, I didn't see it as being no. funny at all. So th- there are lots of episodes, there are lots of programmes. It's just on some of the channels they keep repeating. Because I'll watch it one evening and then I'll flip to another channel and there, there lo and behold, is the same episode, but at a slightly different time yeah. in, the, in the week. Uh... Gary used to spend, uh, used to text two years ago, started to lose sight, now totally blind. Uh, the other day, I went Christmas shopping and fell over. Do you know, nobody helped me. Uh, but someone managed to steal my phone and my rosary beads. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Oh, so there's obviously dear. a religious thief on the street. Why you take somebody's rosary beads? I cannot imagine. No. Terrible, isn't it? Why would somebody want to do that? Terrible. People, people nick anything now. And this is the time of year when people steal People steal everything because it's coming up to Christmas and, uh, and they just thieve. So yeah. kids you find thieving and adults. I see it all the time. I try to close my eyes to it. It drives me. I get quite ill watching it because I think, why would you thieve? Oh. I sat on the train yesterday coming into town uh, to interview Tracy Bennett, who I think is going to go out this week on in conversation. And, uh, and a woman gets on and it's the quiet carriage. And it's got, this is the quiet zone. Yeah. And there's pictures everywhere of a phone with a big cross through it. So she gets on the train and uh, she's sort of, <coughs> everybody's really quiet. It's quite hot and warm and everything else. And she gets the phone out and she starts tapping in the number. And I go <coughs> and point to the thing. So she looks at it and then she looks at the one opposite her. And then she decides to use her Blackberry and just start texting. So for the whole journey, she texted. <laughs> I hate it when people do that. I'm always telling people off. Excuse me, this is the quiet zone. If you want to go and use your phone, go somewhere else, please. Uh, great whites and a few others are protected species. OK. Apparently you're more likely to be struck by lightning than attacked by a shark. I know there's not many sharks in Twickenham High Street, so, I mean, yeah. I do get the feeling sometimes sitting at traffic lights, there's a few sitting in cars, you but know. But you're more likely to be attacked by a shark... In the sea off Sharmar Sheikh than be struck by lightning. Yes. That's yes. the thing. It's, That's tr- it's quite true, just on average, but... Yes. I mean, quite clearly, in, in modern day-to-day life, we're not going to be attacked by a shark. Because no. lightning comes from the sky, sharks are only in the sea. Yeah. Unless you know differently. But as I say, sometimes I see them in cars beeping their horns and <laughs> going around being boy racers and stuff like that. Because somebody said here, I think Andy, who said, Sharm is a good place to holiday, great weather, food, hotels and people. The drink and dining is not repeat, not expensive. Yeah, but I don't know which bit you're... Perhaps you're going to the cheap bit. Because the booze in Sharm el-Sheikh is astronomical. Astronomical. But he, he's a diver. He's got some of the world's best... I don't have an issue with diving. I'm not interested in the diving. I'm interested in the fact that people go... There's 400 boats out there now taking people out to go shark-watching, or whatever they call it. Spotting. And you go down in cages sometimes, don't you? Yes, you can do that one. But I'd always be worried that the biggest shark you've ever seen, a great white whale or whatever it was, would come plane. out of the depth and would bite through it, and you'd be going... Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely terrifying. Because there's only so many places you can hide in a cage. No, it's true. Well, it's not very big, is it? Oh, do you want to hear my python story? Oh, yeah, go on. Oh, OK. So there was this... There was this, There was this, I heard Is this, it a joke? No, no, no. Oh, right, no, serious. It's always, oh, OK. So it's true. Right. So there's this um, woman I heard of, and she had a huge pet python, one of those enormous sort of pythons. Right. And uh, it started... Um, being a bit sluggish, and was lying completely flat and was off its food and was went completely straight. And um, 
she was a bit worried about it and tried to tempt it with its favourite food and it wouldn't eat anything. And it just lay there, completely straight, completely flat. She looked after it for a really, really long time. And it was just lying out, not eating. Anyway, she went to a vet, didn't know. Then she went to a specialist who said, do not go anywhere near it, stay away from it. Because what it was doing, it was going completely straight, it was sizing her up, it was emptying itself, ready to try and eat her. No. Yes, because it was... It was <laughs> Sizing it, her up? Yeah, it was seeing whether, he could, whether it could fit her in, um, in its mouth. No. Yeah, and swallow her. No. Yeah. And um, <laughs> there sounds of popsicles. If you've got one at home, don't touch it. Don't touch it. When they, if, they, if you've got a giant python in your house and you're <laughs> looking after it and it's off its food and it's lying completely flat, outstretched, off its food... It's measuring you up. ...looking at you and not saying anything, it's measuring you up, working out whether it could fit you in its mouth hole. Do you think it just, just wants to be your friend or something? That's when it wants to eat you. I did see a python on the... Te- I think it's on... Um, might be on YouTube, and it's eating a gazelle oh. that's got antlers. And oh. it manages, because they, they dislocate, their, they dislocate jaw. their jaw. It can get the whole thing in, whole and it's the juices in. in the body. And it just slowly breaks it down. That's right, it just breaks it down, the yeah. whole lot, the bones. And, oh, dear, if my yeah. Aunt Enid's listening, I hope she's all right. Yeah. Because she always wanted to keep a snake as a pet, but, I mean, the matron, luckily... Cash, when buying anything, uh, get it from the bank with a cheque, all regular bills paid by direct debit. Do not have any plastic to copy from all over the place. Yeah, exactly. The one thing you never, ever use your, your, your card in is a garage. The big, uh, the big credit card companies are the worst places because the staff move around so often and there's a lot of bent staff in garages, so be very careful. So always cash in garages. Simple as that, actually. Uh, we'll take a short break. Uh, other side of the, uh, the news... Oh, and uh, Noreen went out to see the lights in Oxford Street. Okay, she says, but the traffic was absolutely awful. And she hopes that Jonathan is well. Looks reasonably well to me, even after the Python story. Steve Allen. Every weekday afternoon from four, listen to James Whale with WorkspaceGroup.co.uk. Keep up with the breaking news stories, get the latest traffic and travel news on your way home, and get involved with your chance to join London's biggest conversation. James Whale, weekday... Twenty-six minutes to seven. Uh, Jeremy says you mixed up the two places. Your listener was from Bovingdon in Hertfordshire, and the army camp at the tank museum is at Bovington in Dorset. Oh, Bovington. oh right. Well, they've both got Bovin, haven't they? So I mean, it's an easy, easy mistake to easy make, mistake I suppose. Take. Picture in the paper yesterday of a of a student protester. His name is Tommy Jackman. Uh, Tommy's schoolboy, and he's uh, going out protesting. He's taking part in this week's mass max mass protest over university tuition fees, and says we will never give in. Tommy is 12, ladies and gentlemen. His mother's got no control over him, said, I'm letting him go, but he's going with a neighbour who's 16. And they're both going to be kettled. They're both going to be kettled, which apparently is like being pressure cookered, only kettling. It's somewhat different. You you put in a kettle, a kettle of a police cordon, and you can't get out. So, in other words, so you and and I are standing on the road here, woo, 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 down with the government, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. And the police then, do they they separate us from the rest of the group? No, they surround us. Oh, right, okay. And they don't let us out. Right, OK. And then even if we say, please, sir, I want to go home, they say no. Could I actually say, excuse me, diabetic, need medicine? No. Oh, they'd be in big trouble over that one, you, you see. You say, I really need a wee, they'd say, well, we don't care. Oh, right. So the moment you did it, of course, they'd have you for public decency. Yeah. Or um, indecency, you I suppose. Get, you can't, I think that is the... I think that's you are, you are kettled. Is. You are kettled. Right. You're put under the pressure and right. you bubble away. Why don't they just... I mean, I've often said... I mean, it's lovely that people demonstrate, and I think it, it's great that it's part of our Constitution that you can demonstrate. Why don't they go and do it somewhere else? 
Yeah. Go and do it in Birmingham for a change. Go and disrupt their lives, because the rest of the country must be pointing fingers at us and laughing, because well, like, we're the ones who have to put up with this rubbish all well, the time. It's like the Notting Hill Carnival. And all that. Why do they have to do it in central London when we're all trying to get around? Well, the people of Notting Hill go, don't they? They, they do. They, they leave for the weekend. But they, they should, there should be a field in Hertfordshire where you can have protests yeah. and festivals yeah. and do whatever you want. A bit like the they Reading just, Festival. It's always in a field, not in the middle of Reading Town Centre. stay out of Zone 1. Yes. Because the traffic's a nightmare on these kettling student days. Yes. I have to be honest. I mean, I have... I must have seen kettling, but I've never actually thought you'd be sitting there for... Around. I'd have to take a little seat or something and sit down. I'd want to stand up for you six take hours. A, if you're being kettled, you could take a seat. But yeah. there's so much jostling when you're being kettled. That oh, you jostling as well down. now? Oh, there's lots of jostling. Oh, I don't do jostling. Kettle. No. Ridiculous. Um, 84850. Ken Morley was disgusting. On uh, the celebrity come dine with was, me. Really. So wish I'd been there. Though Judy Goodyear was quite funny with him. But I felt sorry for the young actress who seemed quite genuine. Yeah, she's uh, quite sweet. Oh well, there you go. Actually, uh, and Jack says yawn. X Factor will be overjoyed when it's all over. I can count the times I've watched it on one hand. I mean, well, I watch it all the time. Yeah. Only because I think it's such a clever program. Yeah. And and do you realise that ITV will make. They're, they're, I forget what they're charging, but they've made twenty-five million pounds in advertising. Yeah. It's so lucrative. It's so lucrative for them. So that can only be good news. Well, the audience is just so big. And it crosses well, generations, it crosses types yes. of people. Everybody sort of watches it. Because there will be people sitting there going, I love that Mary. You know she's a singer, she is. Yeah. You know, and they'll go, she's my home to... And, and, and people will vote for somebody. Although I'd quite like it if we were allowed to vote. Because they, they seem to change on these programmes. It's like I'm watching the celebrity uh, thing the other day, uh, X Factor or whatever, I can't remember what it was. And they said, vote for who you want to keep in. And I get confused, because I think some people don't understand. It should always be, vote for who you want to get rid of, yeah. not vote for who you want to keep in, because they keep changing it, so people then phone up, and they don't know whether they voted to keep somebody in, in or, vote them or out. keep them out. And that's why I think, you know, people still can't work out how to vote normally during an election, so they certainly can't vote when they keep changing the rules. No, it's true. So it's vote confusing. who you want to get out, it should be, but they keep changing it. I think just to confuse a lot of people, it's not very good at all. You touched on this between um, five and six, mm -hmm. um, the £30,000 yes. that, that Nicole Davis, um, pampered baby Nicole Davis, is uh, looking forward to her Christmas after her parents have spent 30000 quid on her in four months. Mm. I mean, it's only four. It is, yeah, she, it is yeah. mad, obviously, you know, it's sort of most peculiar to spend that sort of money. It, uh, very vulgar. Uh, the, the stuff looks tacky. They look tacky. I don't mind them doing it. I just, I just question why you'd want to go in the papers and show people that you'd spent £30,000. I was Making yourself look silly. Scanning the article, looking for a sort of tie-in or No, a there's nothing. No, there's nothing really, is there? You, you, would, you would think maybe, you know, the couple who, you know... They've got a deal with McLaren or a deal with Juicy nothing. Couture or a deal with somebody. Nothing at all. Nothing by the look of it. It just seems that they have a lot of money that they want to spend and this woman thinks that the more money you spend on your child shows how much you love them. No, it doesn't at all. Oh. It doesn't at all. You've only got to look at the royal family to realise the amount of money that was lavished on the children and the parents were nowhere to be seen. No, it's true. My daughter, Estella, five and a half, she was at a cinema and pizza party the other day and it was after school and it was between four and six and then the parents had to go and collect them at six o'clock. They're all sitting around, they just had their pizza and um, one of the girls in her class got out a mobile phone, called her mum and said, I'm ready to be picked up. Uh, how old? Five and a half. No. All the other no. children <laughs> were completely amazed, because, of course, none of them have got mobile phones. Yeah. And they looked at this little girl, and 
then Estella came home. And she's not actually a nagging, sort of um, asking for things sort of person, actually. But she did say, you know, this little girl had a mobile phone. Does she want one? Well... I think she'd like one. We're not. We're not going to get her one. No, can't get her a not a five, and a, five and a half. That's ludicrous. You've got to wait till she's. Six. I mean, you, I mean, but before that time, you should have painting by numbers kits seven to eleven, yeah. and and your own felt tip pens, yeah, and, and a pencil case which you can write on, and a protractor and things like that. She's got not some a, of that stuff. Yeah, but not a mobile phone. Not a mobile phone. Although my not my eleven year old had a mobile phone. Eleven. Eleven. So okay, ten. Ten, we would do. So, but yeah. under ten. Under ten, no. No. So you no. think ten? I, th- I think ten. Yeah. I mean, uh, Charlotte had hers. And it's mainly so that they they can call home. Yeah. Uh, but th- but what they they tend to do at that age, most of the kids have got them in the class as well at ten and eleven and twelve. Is they text. They don't yeah. generally pick up. I've never heard of a five year old, five and a half year old picking up the phone and going, "I'm ready to be picked up now." I know. Oh, God, this is posh. I know. Never heard of that. No. Well, I, th- well, I mean, they- I think that's. They couldn't quite believe it. Yeah. And does she know how to use it? I suppose she must know how yeah, to use yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, she knows how to use it. At five and a half. Well, Estella knows, knows how to up? use a mobile phone. Does she? She can. Ri- she could ring me. Oh, well, true. I have a six-year-old who, who, who says, Uncle Steve, can I play with your phone? And you give it to her. She'd play all the games on it. I can't, I've downloaded them. I can't play them. Yeah. She picks them up within seconds. And you think, blimey, you're really bright, aren't yeah, you, Daniel? Yeah, no, she could, she could. But are we just importing our ideas about that technology from, you know, because I didn't have a mobile phone until I was about sort of 23 or something. I mean, I didn't, after, you know, I didn't have a mobile phone at school. I didn't have a mobile around phone in my at, day. <laughs> didn't have a mobile phone at university. I didn't no? have a computer at university. No. Just wrote essays longhand and all that. I but, didn't have a computer until I came here. Yeah, well, I don't really have a computer at home. I just got one in the office, really. Right. I don't really sort of use a computer other than But you work. had a Blackberry. Yeah, I've got a BlackBerry. Yeah, for, for to email. So I, I don't have a BlackBerry. I've just got a mobile phone. But you've got an iPhone, haven't you? With um, that's got yeah. email and everything. On yes, it. yes, yeah, yes. I have. I mean, I've, I've got that that kind of stuff. But it's difficult to say. But because there's so much peer pressure, I didn't think there would be on kids at school. So if you've got a class of ten and eleven year olds and they've got mobile phones and your kid hasn't got a mobile phone, yeah. they then get picked on and they stand there and they've got nothing to do at playtime. I know it seems a bit daft, but they do text. Are you allowed to at playtime text? Playtime. Look at us at playtime. I think it's called playtime or break or whatever it's called now. What milk in one hand and mobile phone? I don't think they have the milk anymore. I don't. I think they had that when we were little. I don't think they have milk now. What? what I think they have gin, vodka, and whiskey top. at this school. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, it's I think most bar. of them sort of got some alcohol problems. <laughs> <laughs> most of the kids are mainlining. You know, by the time they're thirteen, it's really very progressive. Yeah. No, I, th- I think yes. I mean, kids take their their phones to school. Milk, hopscotch, and texting. But yeah, but you. But I, I get the the kids in in Twickenham in the morning. In Starbucks, they look about eight and nine, producing £20 notes to pay for... And there's always the one kid, and it'll always be the slightly overweight kid, who will buy the drink that's got the squirty cream yeah. on the top and the pretty pattern, and they will sit there, and it's always the girls, always the girls, and all their friends will sit round them, hoping yeah. that she might take the straw out and they, they can lick the bottom of the straw, because <laughs> that's as far as it goes. But they've always got £20 notes. I never had a twenty pound note at that age. I've only recently Barely got one now. Twenty pound notes. I find it quite worrying. It's moving on. So small yeah. wonder that they're they're doing the SEX stuff a lot earlier than we were. Yeah, a lot earlier. A lot you know, earlier. it's not un- not uncommon now, is it, to find twelve year old girls giving birth? Well, Nick. Whereas was, we think they're actually children. Yeah. Well, Nick yesterday on um, on his program was talking all about you know all the all the Tesco's all those clothes sexualization you know, sexualization of preteens. Yeah. With all those. Clothes, porn they do. Star well, Danielle, at six spends most of the time walking around in sort of knickers at home, 
and you have to go... Mind you, Nathan used to do it as well. You'd get put some clothes on, for goodness yeah. sake. And they've got, you know, T-shirts and things like that. With, you see them, little slogans on the T-shirts. You know, little princess and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I refused to wear it when I was that age. You know, it's yeah. not my kind of thing. But they do... People do go out and they do put kids in it. Why? Because all the other kids have, have got it. They like it as well. It, it, there is a fine line. There is a dressing up. Girls just do like dressing up, don't they? They love wearing mummy's makeup, putting a shoes on. Should they be on. allowed to? Well, they, I don't think they see it as... It's not really a sexual thing unless you, unless you imprint that on it. They, they, they don't, I'm going to feel quite, quite guilty that we're actually thinking about it as a, as a sexualisation of children. Exactly. If you just don't think about it in that way, they're just enjoying themselves, aren't they? Dressing up. It's OK to have a dressing up Danielle's box, got a boyfriend it? at school. She's got a boyfriend. He's a bit older than he, she Estella is. Estella says he, she's got a boyfriend. Yeah, that's a fun I mean, they don't do anything. Well, no. I don't think. But, they're still, but, they, but they know what a boyfriend is. Yeah, well, if they think they do. Well, they know what they is. And you go, have you actually kissed yet? And you go, yes. And then they go all sort of like, mm, girly, like that. There's a game that they seem to play at their school. Oh, what? And it's called Kiss the Boys. Anyway, the girls round on a particular boy, they chase him, and then, against his will, they try and kiss him <laughs> and laugh when he's really embarrassed. Call the police. Call the police straight away. Really? We, we played Kiss Chase at school, but it was the other way round. We yeah. chased the girls. Well, it was Georgie Porgy Pudding and Pie kissed the girls and made the cry, make yeah. them cry. When the boys came out to play, Georgie Porgy ran away. Yeah, exactly. But we, the it, gay version of that as well, of yeah. course. <laughs> where Georgie Porgy kisses anybody. Yeah. <laughs> but now, for, the, 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 kiss oh. the boys is the girls get amusement out of chasing these boys, holding them, <laughs> and then they're really Poor embarrassed. Boys. And then they try and kiss them, and then the boys say, "No, get off, get off." The boys it. hate it, don't Stop they? It. They, they hate, hate it. it. Go, don't kiss hate me, it. don't kiss me. Stop it! And then the girls are like, "No, oh, we want to kiss you," and oh. then they're really embarrassed, and then the girls laugh. I always say, um, the funny thing is, I do that to Danielle, because I, when, when, I, when I go around, I've generally got something in my hands, like a mobile phone or something, and she kisses, I, don't, I say, don't do a wet kiss. I don't want a wet, just a little kiss, Dan, it'll be fine, thank you. So I always get the wettest, slobberiest <laughs> kiss. You think, I bet you've done that to the boys at school. <laughs> All right, listen, we'll take a, uh, take a short break. Uh, the good news is uh, that there isn't the shortage of sprouts for Christmas that we thought there was going to be. Apparently there are plenty to go round. Thank the Lord for that. 14 to 7... News headlines, Sam Pittis. And podcasts, go to lbc.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Paul Cooper is still using smoke signals, bless his heart. But he would, honestly, I feel so sorry for anybody getting up to work, you know, on a stall that's got no heating on it. And his shop in Twickenham, he does fruit and veg. It's freezing, can't have heating, because it'll put it all off. Standing out in the cold selling fruit and veg, it must be... Thankless. Even with women's tights on, it must be Yes, freezing. even with women's tights on. Somebody sent me a little pair of Ugg boots. Oh, they're lovely. I think they're really cute, they're actually. Really I don't cute. like Ugg boots. But apparently Rav Wilding, who's going out with Chantel, match made in heaven there, what they talk about, I can't imagine. Uh, he, he wears Ugg boots for men. Does he? Very camp. They look terrible, the men's Oh, they're ghastly. Yeah. Ghastly. Uh, Martin says, why is it OK for the government to lie but not for students to protest? We don't have a problem with students protesting. We just don't want them in London, thank you very much indeed. Uh, we, we think students should go and protest somewhere else. We don't want them here. We've had more than enough disruption. Yeah, they can go, go and do it in a field in Hertfordshire. It doesn't have to be in central yeah. London. Come we'll and do it outside your house, Martin. Business. See if you blooming well like it. Yeah. Ridiculous. We have to put up with everything in London. But sprouts are on again, so fear not, you're all right for sprouts. Oh, sprouts. I had 20 sprouts last I night. I love sprouts. I had 20 last night and 20 the night before, because they, they've got them in Marks and Spencers, and they're, they're the little sprouts. And I just boiled up a whole pot of them, a little bit of uh, mustard, that was it. Do you not find them really bitter? No, no, delicious. Really? Deli- don't, you, you just don't do I sprouts. I really like them. 
Oh, I love that. I can't get enough sprouts. I might have them again today, but somebody said you've got to have meat with them. So I think what I'll do is either do a bit of bacon or something like that. Yeah. Sounds delicious, doesn't it? Um, Anthony in Covent Garden goes to Miami South Beach a lot and has seen many sharks. However, the last time a very large one that came close to the beach was heading towards me, uh, turned and swam off at the last minute, I was scared and told the lifeguard who said, OK, it won't attack you. I know, but how do you know? How do you know? Until, yeah. How do you know? And Because these things move like billiard. They yeah. can propel themselves yeah, very fast. Really uh, Sarah from St Albans says there's going to be a protest and demo in St Albans today. OK. Uh, kids should have mobile phones as early as possible so the child learns how to socialise. Well, you see, I, I disagree. I think it makes them more... Uh, insular. It's like having a computer. Kids sit in their, in their rooms on their computers. They're not actually interacting with people at all. No. You need to meet people. Yeah, you do. Apparently, Pam says, if you play with your mobile in school, it'll be confiscated and your parents have to collect it. Right. Oh, right. Well, that's schools a good one. Must, I imagine a lot of schools have fairly strict attitudes towards mobiles. Yes, I would think so. You don't want to... Be... I was talking yesterday to Tracy Bennett, who's starring as Judy Garland. And the other night, she said in the show, four mobiles went off. I mean, that's so She annoying. said, but the show is set in the 60s. She said, we didn't have mobiles. She felt like saying, oh, my God, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> she said, but I couldn't come out of character, but I wanted to say to them, listen, I'm sorry, as they do in America, you're ruining, you know, I'm yeah. an actress up here, and you've just ruined it for everybody. Yeah. I said, who are these stupid people who take mobiles to the theatre yeah. and don't turn them off? Don't turn them off, yeah. You know, it's so if you're going to the theatre tonight... Turn it off. Turn it off, please. Makes it so much easier. Uh, also in the papers today, uh, Victoria Beckham, who was over here wearing very little... Uh, she was meeting, um, who was she meeting? I don't know. Cameron's wife, I think. Oh, OK. And, uh, I don't know, slashed open to the navel, this peculiar Victoria Beckham. The trouble is you suddenly realise, next to Cameron's wife, how tiny Vicky is. Oh, there she is. She's, she's on the front of the Daily Telegraph. Yeah, she's on the front of the Sun as well. She's ever so tiny. The British Fashion Awards. Yeah. There she was in the Savoy. She's, she's teeny tiny, she girl. She teeny tiny, isn't she? Thin, tiny, small, sort of. And she's wearing massive heels and she's still teeny tiny. Yeah, she is teeny tiny. I've had a close-up and she is... Teeny tiny. And yeah. thin. Thin, 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 thin. Yeah, very, very. I'd, I'd love to be that thin. Surprisingly, a record number of Brits, obviously the mad ones, have changed their name by deed poll to monikers including Willy Wonka, Miss Jelly, St Tots, and Mr Her Majesty the Queen. <laughs> These are people who've changed their names, the stupid people out there. 90,000 people bought a new identity. Really? 90,000... Th- just would have been a handful... NHS call centre operator David Lennox is now Mr Her Majesty the Queen, while (laughs) chock lover John Denton became Willy Wonka. (laughs) So stupid. I mean, mad or what, I'm afraid. A spokesman for the legal deed poll service, which offers switches for £13.99, says some just fancy to change. (laughs) What would you change your name to, ladies and gentlemen? I I can't imagine. Why do you want to change to Mr Willy Wonka? I mean... (laughs) Don't know what you call somebody like that. Anyway. In the uh, Times, the bonfire night vandal unmasked on CCTV. Remember the cat woman? Yes. The one that put the cat in the bin? Yes. Well, there's another one. There's Ooh. another one in our midst. Boo, Similar boo. description. <laughs> <laughs> Not a hooded yob. So they put up CCTV to find out what was happening. And it turned it was not a hoodie in sight. The shadowy yeah. figure caught on CCTV throwing flour and eggs over cars was Jennifer Bibby, age 63, the church-going widow of a police officer. She was the coordinator of the local neighbourhood watch organisation. We were in shock when we saw her, yeah. all, all the people said. And there she was, chucking eggs and flour over cars. 63-year-old boo, Jennifer. Boo! Boo! Boo you! Yeah. yeah. There was a guy round uh, Southampton Way 
Uh, I know because it affected a load of people in a road where my brother's ex-girlfriend's uh, boys were living and uh, went round and slashed car tyres. Really? 200 cars in one night, slashed two tyres on each car. So, in other words, most people carry a spare, two spares you don't carry, yeah. and it turns out he was a cyclist who was anti-cars. Oh. Luckily, he's been banged up because he was mentally ill. Jill says, do you cross your Brussels? No. You don't need to anymore. You know, years ago, people would peel a Brussel and then put a cross, an indentation in the oh, stalky yeah. end of it. No, you don't need, don't need to, to now. To I can cook mine easily in an hour. Seriously, it's no problem whatsoever. Mary says, I share my birthday with Coronation Street tomorrow, not looking forward to turning 50, which I was 39 again like you. Yeah, yeah, there you well. go. And David says, I work on a veg stall and listening to you keeps me warm. We've got sprouts, but they're frozen at the moment. <laughs> There's a joke there, David. I wish I could do it, but sadly, I can't, I'm afraid. And there is that. So if you were running a bed and breakfast... Oh, yeah. And two, two gay people turned up yeah. and wanted a double room. But you didn't know they were gay people until they turned up on the door. Yeah. Because obviously had a big sign on their forehead saying, gay. Uh, would you turn them away? Well, I wouldn't, no. No. But you're not allowed to put signs up saying no Irish, no dogs or whatever it is. No, I mean, it just... Well, you? apparently I this think... couple only wanted heterosexual sharing rooms. <laughs> Are you allowed to do that? Well... No, that's why they're being taken to court. Oh, yeah, well, quite right, too. Because the, uh, the couple were offended, and they went, we, sorry, we didn't know you were gay. They went, what, because it's two men sharing a room? We're both navvies, we're tree cutters, we are butch people. We're not ballet dancers, limp-wristed, head-in-the-clouds, arty, crafty, puftery types. We're just butch, yeah. and uh, we just happen to want to share a bedroom because we're doing manly things. With a shared interest in musical theatre and Exactly, exactly, yes, with a shared... Yes, and we both know all the songs from Carousel. <laughs> <laughs> but we want to stay in your bedroom. No, you can't. It seems so... Perhaps it's just being in London, but that kind of sort of suburban parochial homophobia seems so quaint and old-fashioned and peculiar. It's a little bit I mean, in the year 2010. I mean, it's very odd, isn't it? 2010, um, why anybody running a business would want to turn anybody mm. away. Yes, I mean, anyway, Christian or, or otherwise. Much, um, more clean and tidy. They're going to leave the bathroom in a much better state. Oh, absolutely. And probably put a quiche in your oven downstairs, which yeah. is nice, and rearrange the furniture and make some curtains and some cushion covers. But there you go. That's just me on holiday. <laughs> Sadly, we have no more time. Oh. Jonathan, thank you very much thank indeed. Thank you very much. See you next I'm going week. home just to check the snake has not prostrated itself in front of the fire Don't today. go near it. Don't it's go near it. flat, it's sizing you up. If, right, so if, if you have a snake and it's, it's lying lengthwise and it's not eating, it's gone off its food, it's sizing you up for Christmas. How it does this, I've got no idea. It's obviously on something this morning. Anyway, we're back. Oh, don't forget the Advent calendar today. Go to lbc.co.uk, click on the Steve Allen Advent calendar. That's a lovely, lovely... But the best one was yesterday. I thought it was really good with the, uh, with the snow leopard, who sadly did die. That was the one that died. I'm ever so sorry. But at least we've got the, the video, and it looks, uh, it looks lovely there. And we had lovely memories. OK, so go and check that out. Check out all the, uh, the pictures. And if you go to photochris.co.uk... Oh, plus there's also pictures on the LBC website of Saturday at the Mermaid. Nick and the team with you... After seven, first of all, the business update with Sam Pittis. Thank you.